Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of First Issue Club, the weekly podcast where we cover the first issues of the week. My name is Greg, I am here with Budget King and Mike D. What are we here to do? Well, we're here to help aid you through the muddy and murky waters of the comic book landscape because Lord knows it is muddy and it is murky. Uh, Guys, how you doing? I'm good, this is me, Mike, I'm good. Me too, Budget King. I I didn't give you times to say your names after I said your name. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Don't I'm not going to criticize your intro, though. <laughs> yeah, if you're a long-time listener, you know every time the Budget King intros the show, we have Judgment to just ream them. Yep. But that was good. That was solid. Before we get into the show, you guys want to do a little comic book news? Because there was some news <laughs> this past week. <laughs> there was. I want everybody to know that's listening that you, uh, have, here we go. you have notes. I I typically don't write things down. I'm, I'm off the, the off-the-dome kind of guy. I'm freeform jazz, just like Budget King with his <laughs> intro. Uh, but today there were some things I really wanted to talk about, so I had to write them down. I love it. There were, is... there were names I wanted to remember, so I had to write them down. Yeah, this might be a, a new, we're shedding our skin. We're a fully formed snake. Oh, wow, we're, we're <laughs> blossoming. Yes, we're hitting puberty. Now, we're organized. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, after a hundred and some odd episodes, yeah. we're maturing. <laughs> uh, well, the first thing, a uh, little bit of a sour note, massive, massive layoffs at DC this week. Uh, came out that they let go one-third of their editorial team. The rumor is the new focus is HBO Max. They are really wanting HBO Max to work, so they had to cut, quote-unquote, redundancies. And DC Comics is not a major focus for uh, Warner Media. Because, and I quote, Warner Media is in the character business, not the comic book business. So all they care about is owning the characters and who they are. So a lot of people are in kind of a fear state that the quality of comic books is actually going to diminish and there won't be that many coming out. Are there any names that you were like, oh, fuck, that person got fired? Well, I don't know many editorial staff in general, Marvel, DC, any publisher, yeah, but you're right. they like, are they like, are literally the gatekeepers of making sure good or bad stories get published. Sure. So they 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 wave a heavy hammer. So to just kind of say that, oh, it was just editorial staff, like, that's actually kind of a big deal. This is like saying music producers got laid off at (laughs) it. You know what I mean? At a label, It's not the musicians that got fired. It was, like, the producers. Yeah, but, like... We we all know, listening to 1970s Billy Joel versus 1980s (laughs) Billy Joel, that a producer can make a lot of difference. Where would um, Bruno Mars be without Mark Ronson? Mark Ronson. Nowhere. See? You know who doesn't have a lot of editors is uh, maybe Scout could pick up a couple of these. Scout has editors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me assure you. <laughs> so the problem is they. The rumor is that they're gonna hire like bigwig CEOs that have no idea about any character in DC. To this is always the fear though. The, like I, I mean, I've, I think I've heard this in various forms, like with mar- big Marvel movies, like oh Disney purchasing marvel they're going to focus on the movies and the quality of the comics are going to go down well the comics got better well yeah but i mean well i think marvel's different than dc because kevin feige actually said you know what i want the movies and the comics to play off one another right which is could be detrimental in the same sense like they're so closely tied together that actually kind of 
pigeonholes the comic books from exploring anything really weird or bizarre or something that can't be done in a movie. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be even play devil's advocate here. I'm just saying from a financial standpoint, when they look at this, I get cutting comics. Even during COVID and the pandemic, comics still made money. Think about that. They still made money digitally. They made money on their trades and their graphic novels. Disney, they just didn't make money for three months. Disney reported their only loss in a quarter in the last 20 years during COVID. Mostly because of theme parks. And Goofy was in rehab. So, I mean, <laughs> constantly, he's been in rehab. Constantly for a while. in rehab. <laughs> uh, people were speculating that the reason that DC Comics kind of got the light shined on it was because of uh, Batwang. From the Black Label. You think, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, it, I think everybody knows this, but that uh, Batman, yeah, Damned. Batman Damned showed mm-hmm. a, a bat penis in it. A shadowy bat penis. And it wasn't a David and Goliath penis. Like, they weren't they weren't shortening him. They were modest. People was, were speculating because it got such bad press, it made the, mainstream news that Batman's penis was in a comic book, so that it kind of came down heavy. But if you're in, you know, a CEO, you're just like, hey, fuck, any news is good news. Like, I don't care if it's... Whatever oh, exposure. Yeah. And I, I think soon after that, they, they said they're going to end the Aquaman run at 65, kind of arbitrarily. So that makes sense. So you're seeing... We're starting to see it now, yeah. A little of this trickle down. Who Who's reading Aquaman, though? Let's be honest. Some people are. Well, well, think about this. Like, would we get books like Jimmy Olsen or Lois Lane if this, you know, falls through? Yeah. Two great books. Or all this metal shit. The, I think metal I, is good. It's I, I, really good. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Did you metal see? stays? I metal think, stays. I think event stuff stays. Okay. Yeah. I I think yeah. You're you're worried more about the maxi series getting a chance. Okay. Right. Uh, and any chance of Vertigo ever coming back is now yeah, gone. Not gonna happen. But they're gonna just abs- absorb Vertigo. Like oh, this is a maybe a good segue. Uh, Jeff Lemire's. Um, Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth got announced that it's gonna be brought back. It's instead of being on. Vertigo, Vertigo, it's on Black Label. It's just going to be on DC. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it, but I mean, I I like the Vertigo umbrella. They had a lot of great books on there, but just like you said, playing devil's advocate, it makes sense just to condense it all into one. I, I, yeah. And from a branding point, like I think that marketers just really need to question their sub-branding. I think a sub-brand, just to dip into sub-brand is a very amateur thing to do when you are like... Was that a was that a stab at Scout? Eight? You know, it's a stab at my own career, to be honest. And like, in my, really, my own day job, like, it's the f- it's the most fun thing to do in media is to like create sub brands, and then you realize, like, God damn it, like the people just want the main thing, and they the more you sub brand, the more you get away from that. Could we sub brand here for the podcast? We do. How s- could we? We do sub brands a lot. Budget King is a sub brand of <laughs> uh, First Issue Club, so we're the parent company, and you're just. A result of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's funny that brand new publishers create imprints. Like, AWA <laughs> has Upshot. That is wacky. That, that AWA is... is a brand new baby publisher, and they already have imprints. I mean, I think we are the only media outlet that covered Scout's 10 sub-brands that they were going to launch. <laughs> that I don't think that ever happened. I don't think they can anymore. <laughs> they made any money during COVID, so. Um, yeah, that is – it. What. It doesn't do anything for anybody. That that's a weird thing to do. Right. I think Vertigo had some, definitely some nostalgia for people. Mm-hmm. I think that there was oh, the, just clout. Yeah, like you just know, like oh, Vertigo books probably is worth taking a chance on. Yeah, Sandman, Hellblazer, all that shit. I'll tell you what, too. If Vertigo wasn't stacked next to DC in the comic book shops, just because of how they order them on Wednesdays, I'm not sure I would even align the two. 
Like that's very true. A couple very, of years ago. You very know? true. Um, next bit of news. Um, this is kind of a happier bit of news. The comic book legal defense fund has a new interim director. Yeah. Um, they made the news like a month or so ago. Their old director, uh, Charles Brownstein, was removed after allegations from sexual misconduct in 2006. And he still has the job. 14 years later. 14 years later. Wow. Um, so uh, they finally got rid of him or he stepped down after, uh, you know, a lot of pressure. And so we have a new interim director, Jeff Trexler. I don't know if that's any news to anybody, but I think they hired him for one reason and one reason only. He has a lot of credit uh, for an, as an ethics person. He has a JD from Yale Law School, associate director of Fashion Law Institute, and is a member of the Ethics Committee. Oh, and he served on the board of the Museum and Comics and Cartoon Art. Seems qualified for the job. He does seem qualified. However, hire a woman. <laughs> is it that hard? Can't we? Yeah. Is it that hard? Your logo is a woman. Right. That's a Give good point. A, a, this guy's been her, like a shithead and had his job for 14 years post-harassing somebody. Good, mm-hmm. good point. And probably continue to harass people, people after the allegations. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, that's cool that this guy has enough, you know, back No catalog. diss on him. He sounds like a legit guy. Sure, yeah. Unless he turns out to be a turd and then <laughs> prepare to be shit on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. That's um, my take. But I like it. I, I I like what the comic book legal defense does. They stand up for the First Amendment in They're comic cool. books, and they provide legal defense money for lawsuits that creators have to go through. So it's a great company. Neil Gaiman's a big backer of them. Oh, yeah. He's also had some trouble lately. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, he broke up with um the woman from- The Dresden Dolls? The Dresden Dolls. His and wife, I think? I think so. They have a child together. Like they what? were living. They were living in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, have you not heard of this? No. I feel like Conan O'Brien right Wait, now. Wait, how, you know how old is Neil Gaiman? Se- old enough. Seventy? No, he's late fifties, early sixties. Okay, in my head, he's like seventy-five. Yeah, <laughs> he's Hugh Hefner in your mind. <laughs> That's what British people do to you. They're always like older than you think. Anyway, they were living in New Zealand together. Okay, and then he dipped out. He just left her. They were like. Uh huh. The example of like uh, nerd romance. Right. They were like a, a great alt couple. Amanda Palmer. We should give her a name. Her Amanda name, Palmer. Her yes, name is I Amanda hate when Palmer. Do that. Yeah. He's 59 years old, Neil Gaiman. Okay. Um. Well, that sucks. What's she doing now? She just, I think, working on her music and her career. They, the Dresden Dolls doesn't make music. Does she make? <laughs> she, she makes music though. The Dresden Dolls make made music. I went to go see Sonic Youth once. And the Dresden Dolls opened for them. Mm-hmm. Venue packed out. And then Dresden Dolls finished playing. Everyone leaves. And it's like a couple hundred people left. Boy, did they pick the wrong band to Oh, my to God. <laughs> people came to hear Coin-Operated Boy. Yes. And then dip. And then I'm literally like walking up chest against the stage to watch the rest of Sonic Youth. I think that's all the news we have, actually. <laughs> So you guys want to bear with us while we get this podcast started. All right, Clubbers. First up, we'll be covering Seven Secrets by none other than Tom Taylor Danielle DiNucleo, Walter Biamonte, and Ed Dukeshire. 
Got to get that litterer in. Got to. I have to. Hey, props up to the wordsmiths If out they there. give it to me, I want to say it, because uh, if not, we'll get fucking reamed. You ever seen a comic, though, that didn't have a litterer? Sometimes. Sometimes they don't list them on the comic. Um, sometimes they'll just do type, like word typing, and it it's heinous how bad it looks. It's yes. crazy. So letterers need their day in Letterers the are very important. Colorers, inkers, <laughs> they're a reason that people pay them to do what they do. Uh, Tom Taylor, if you don't know, did Deceased, Justice League meets Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and All New Wolverine. Oh, really? Yeah. And then uh, Daniel did Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Infinite Loop, West Coast Avengers, all those books we adore. You guys less so Deceased than me. Yeah, you really like that the one. Cover, the covers are cool. I, the will, covers die, are I will die on that Deceased hill. With I think... all the notes you had from today's, I was like, is that the... Uh... The zombie code that got downloaded into deceased. Oh, like it's Was the antimatter equation. Antimatter equation. I think me and Mike D were on the wrong side of history on that one. I think deceased. Uh, it has like two spinoffs already. Became yeah, fan adored. So, uh, this yay me boo you. <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> well, I was gonna say boom. Uh, recently has just had like killer releases that pre-sell out. Mm-hmm. Um and and. They did. I don't know what they did. Their restructuring schedule. I don't even. It might be something like they're just like only releasing fire. Like <laughs> I don't know what it is, but they release shit and it sells out. And um, this so this was big in in that. I kind of hope that like COVID and pandemic helped them. Like they were able to lean back and kind of load the chamber in the release gun for like <laughs> fucking fire bullets, and that's what we've been getting. Yeah, they did like a website release thing of. It covers that were limited to like twenty or fifty. Oh fuck you! Imagine now if I you got one, some of those. I bet they're fucking awesome. I bet they're great. This this book, by the way, which follows a secret organization that uh, their main job they have two people that uh, keep secrets. They're in these cool little briefcases. They have been around since I imagine the dawn of human civilization. Atlantis. Yeah, uh, and we follow these two. Uh, are they? One's a protector and one's a keeper or something. Like, they work in pairs. Uh, they got a little too drunk one night, made a baby. That's a big no-no in this organization, so they had to have the baby taken away from them. And I guess the story is told from that child's perspective. That was such a cool reveal. It Yes, because this comic book, when you, like, dip into it, it makes you think that it's going to be about this secret organization. Mm-hmm. And it's really about how this child was cast out of the secret organization and the implications of that. He's actually raised by the seven secrets, but he's not supposed to know who his parents are or that they are agents in the seven secrets thing. The thing that I love about this comic book is that the first like three or four pages, I was just like, I don't really understand this organization. And it's written so beautifully that it, it doesn't matter. You don't it doesn't you, fucking you matter. don't actually need to know what this secret organization is protecting or doing because that's like secondary to the really cool premise of the Mm -hmm. book. Tom Taylor really orchestrated this kind of uh, twist ending. He M. Night Shyamalan-ed (laughs) at the end. Um, I thought it was great. The artwork in this was was stunning. From the cover of this book, it it looked a little bit like Avatar anime-ish. Did you get the, that vibe? I, well, I was worried it was going to be kind of like Firepower. And I was like, well, I've exactly. already read this book. It looked exactly like Firepower. Then the art inside the book is is amazing. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And reading it digitally um, was really fun. Like the, the guided w- view and all that? The way that it like revealed mm-hmm. like the secrets in the story. How, ma- how, how many? S- seven. <laughs> seven. 
So do we know what the seven secrets no. are? No. Do you care? I have no care. I don't even. If they told me what the secret was, I would forget it. I don't even care anymore. Wow. <laughs> forget it. I think it's one of those things, too, where it's better unsaid. Like, what could they reveal in the comic that could live up to your expectations? The secret ingredient to Bush's baked beans. That's a good one. Only the Golden Retriever knows that one. Only. No, he, <laughs> that, the Golden Retriever wants it so badly. Oh, is that how that, That's the one that's who keeps trying goes? to sneak in. Okay. Give me them beans. <laughs> Thinking about them beans. Is it Toucan Sam that wants the secret? Toucan the... Sam. No, he's the creator. It's uh, the Trix Rabbit. He wants the secret. The Lucky Charms guy, too. Lucky Charms is just a fiend. <laughs> and the, there's the, we have the Cookie Crisp Criminal Coyote who tries to steal the Cookie Crisps. With Tony Tiger, Tony the he Tiger. He just wants people to live their best lives. Tony the Tiger is the only serial pusher out here that actually wants kids to be healthy. How do you have all of the narrative arcs of every serial Because I am an imbecile. I have a community college knowledge, and I, used, I love cereal. I used to feel so bad for the Tricks Rabbit when I was a kid. I was like, just let him have tricks. Yeah, why are they like denying him do that you, treat? Do you remember when they did this thing where you could vote? On if he got the tricks or not? No, I don't. And the world voted for yes, and then they made a commercial of it where he got the tricks. And he threw up. <laughs> He's disgusting. Yeah. That's, what happened? Honestly, that mentality for children is what produced anti-maskers today. <laughs> you think? I don't know if I wanted to poke this bear. <laughs> Until there's a definitive commercial where Tony the Tiger is just like, I'm not bringing in my CO2. <laughs> it's not great. I won't die on that hill. Okay, a little bit of a disconnect, maybe. What they really should do, cereal companies, is make the bag the cereals come in a mask you can wear after you eat it. That's the treat. That is, Survival. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seven secrets, though. <laughs> a lot happens. So there, there's this awesome badass character that is Older, like she's a, a matriarch of the She's society. been around since the inception of the uh, organization. Okay. Older than you would even expect, I guess, then. And uh, as she's interrupting the like the flow of their punishment, she um, somebody says to her, oh, you can't just... And she goes, oh, I'm jesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, Look what? at me, jesting. <laughs> it was such a cool way to write it. Like, just yeah. the, the, the... The flippant the, behavior. Yeah, it, was, it was written... This The dialogue in this was written expertly. I can't give Tom Taylor enough praise. Tom, the comic band Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> like this was such, this is a book that when I when I ended it, I was just like, I need the next five issues right now. Now we got a peek at who we think the villain is going to be, who has infiltrated the Seven Secrets due to like a mole. There's like a mole in the organization. He kind of lets loose, which becomes his secret. Yes, a lot of too many secrets. Yes. Ah. They Too came. many secrets, Tom. I really like the level they had with, like, they already made you really hate a villain, but it wasn't like, you know, sometimes they set up a villain and it's like, I'm stabbing a baby. Right. And you're just like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, that this suits guy's you. Okay. going to get his come up and it's like, he's, I know he's bad now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this made you hate, like, hate, hate, hate a character that they didn't have to go over the top, like, I'm vile. Well, right. They, they even made him be like, I'm not going to hurt. Like, I'm not going to harm you in a way that's yeah. malicious. I'm not going to waste my time because I know you won't give it up. Like, he, yeah. he's very smart. He's meticulous. He's like, I'm not going to waste my time hurting you because you've proven that you won't give up information. So I'll just cut your head off. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel for him. If my life's work was just to steal secrets, like, I would dress in black and be angry all the time. Yeah. Put in your My Kim 
CD and just say, all right, yeah, let's go get us some secrets. <laughs> Do you think it's the thing that Oprah's always pushing? Yeah, this that's the tie-in here, I think. Yeah. Is that... Oh, uh, this is like a sequel to The that's Secret. That's why there's yeah. a big O on the front. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's manifesting thing. Your comic book didn't come with a big sticker on it? <laughs> the only comic book that made Oprah's book club. So mine was pre-sealed. Okay. And it's, like, it's like a spoiler reveal, Spoiler right? cover, yeah. Oh, so well, they wanted to polybag it, so if you're looking on the shelf, like the story doesn't get ruined for you. Got it. So I'm assuming it has like the villain or the dad getting his head chopped off, or have you opened it yet? Yeah, I have opened it. Did you guys hear about the Faithless 2 fiasco? <laughs> Hold on. Cool. What is on the cover? It's a spoiler. We got it already. Faithless 2. They have... Did they polybag it wrong? They have famously raunchy covers, and <laughs> yeah. they didn't polybag it on accident. So they sent it out with a... <laughs> Just like someone getting eaten out on oh, the cover wait. or and something like, like yeah. that. And I think that it, the book went for like a lot of money because it's technically a... A defect. Recall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I saw people trying to sell Venom 27 variant. You know what I'm talking about? For like two grand. Because it got, they get double covered. Yeah. Any, oh. Anytime books get double covered, I guess like a hundred or so but it got books dub- are out It there. got double covered with the one in 50 underneath it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Bummer. So it's like in theory you got... Uh, you know, a $30 comic for $4. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I love that. There's a vi- I saw a video of a guy on eBay like with r- gloves, gloves on, on, just being like, see? A little, a little peek? Yeah. <laughs> did- I saw the news of that the Tuesday before it came out. How oh, did- really? How did retailers... Oh, I guess because... Well, it was a retailer-specific variant. You know how, like, uh, if I order, like, yeah. 500 fucking copies of a comic, Marvel will be like... Cool, you get your own cover. Right. You're not going to get to pick the artist. You're not going to be able to pick whatever, but right. your store is going to get an exclusive cover for this. Yeah. And that was the situation. So they had been shipped them already and probably just found this out and knew that they had X amount of them. Think about that. They just got gold. Fucking <laughs> gold. Shipped to them, right? Well, the funny thing is, is like, it means nothing, really. Normally, those uh, retailer-specific covers don't necessarily hold yeah. their value unless it's like an artist who's really buzzworthy and they just happen but, to do like a super iconic cover. But wasn't this the technical first uh, release of Virus though? Codex. Codex. First okay. appearance of mm-hmm. Codex. Yeah. So I think you can still buy the regular cover at Midtown, so don't freak out people. Yeah. Codex will be dead too. So who gives a shit? <laughs> Fuck you, Marvel. <laughs> Uh, we didn't say this too. But there, it's been like first appearances, just like bonkers all over the place. But yeah, they had to shoot him, shoot him out real quick. DC's been the worst of it, though. I can't mm. believe fucking Robin King is getting his own comic. Give me a break. Yeah, so we've had Robin King, Punchline, Clown, Clown Killer, Killer, Designer, The Designer. And then on the Marvel side, we've had well, Codex, Virus. Catgirl, too, right? Yeah. Oh, Catgirl, sure. Um, and Brush then off Catgirl. God fucking yeah. damn it. <laughs> Do you see Mirko and Dolpha is going to get Punchline? Really? Yeah. Oh, the book? Yeah. Wow. Her, her solo book? Yeah. Ooh. Crazy. Now I'm interested. Yeah. I was like, I kind of made great. fun of it on Good the Instagram a little bit. I was yeah. like, oh God, here we go. No, a Punchline book. Isn't I didn't that know. crazy? Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's going to be super sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Mercy's been cool. Have you guys kept up with it? Oh, I'm, I'm going to do it in trade. 
Yeah. I, I haven't even read it. I have not even read the first one. Yeah, I, I've, I've liked it. I, I don't think, think that... you'll like it. Really? Are you serious? Yeah, it's like Jane Austen, but with like monsters. Ooh. See? Ugh. The same thing with the Frankenstein Monster Hunter. But that variant that we have is fire. It is fire. Mike D. Personalized it. Anywho, is that all we got for Seven Secrets? I think so. Let's move on to the next book. Next up on the episode, we have Big Girls, written and illustrated by Jason Howard, out on Image. I'm going to jump the gun here a little bit, boys. This is my book of the week. It is amazing. Fucking ripped. Slapped so hard. It was I could so good. not believe how good this book the was. The reveal was killer. This comic book <laughs> was absolutely so insane. Like, if you could just pause the podcast now and just go read it and not know anything about it, that's going to be the best reading experience of this comic book i think in fact if you haven't read it pause now welcome back (laughs) so the book is about a scientific experiment that has gone wrong there is a special gene or a special virus that infects males that when you reach the age of three i believe you start to transform into this monstrous beast it affects girls and women too but instead of making them monstrous it makes them gigantic yeah the men are like kaiju yeah. The women are women that are the size of a skyscraper. Yeah, they're they're giant. Yeah. They're giantesses. Giantesses. <laughs> <laughs> are, I didn't know that giants were inherently male. That they needed a... <laughs> you know what? Sometimes when you're on Pornhub, you get some weird ads. Okay, yeah. Giant porn. Gigantesisters.com. <laughs> Step on me. So <laughs> what this follows is there's this city-state that's created called what's it called like the sanctuary the or something, haven or that, something? something yeah. like that yeah has one of those names where <laughs> it's, it's not neither one of those names is it but it, yeah it's like a safe city it's because yeah. these big girls protect it they they stand around the border and they they shoot them and tackle them and what have you just stop right there that is such a good premise for a comic book totally a handful of giant women protect a tiny town <laughs> also in I, this is the part I love. And that men turn into brainless monsters. <laughs> Secretly yeah. feminist. Yeah. This was such a good, awesome way to like be kind of like sci-fi, futuristic feminism. The, uh, this is another book that works so well digital because the way that it reveals it, it has this tiny little box that says, you guessed it, men ruin the world. And then it blows up to like giant like dude, like a uh, kaiju beast destroying yes, everything. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um. This book had a scene in it that I haven't seen in a comic book in probably a couple years that made me audibly gasp. And it's when the leader of this organization that is protecting the city blows the brains out of a giant three-year-old boy. Yes, that was... I did not see that coming. Yeah. It it was one of the most striking images that I have ever seen. Spoiler. And it set the tone for this book that's like kind of... not that it doesn't take itself seriously, but it's like a little bit larger than life, if you will. <laughs> well, it was like a, it was a tonal shift. Like that's when the book really is like whoa shifted because even the the woman, the the big girl, as as they're known, was affected because you typically don't see these kaiju 
turned men as little it, it was a little infant it was a three-year-old boy the size of a sedan just sitting in a home with like little bumps and muscles on it like it was beginning to turn still recognizable as a human yeah at this point and i mean unfortunately the director of this organization had a pretty logical stance on it of just like you know the tough decisions aren't fun to look at you know no one likes to see how the sausage is made or how this city becomes protected but in a couple of years, this cute little three-year-old boy would kill everyone in here. Yeah. And I know it, you know, it's not fun to see this, but this we is get, what has to be done. we got to do it. And the reason that kid is in there is because there's an illegal organization housing these kids and bringing them into the sanctuary city. They're trying to take over, yeah, or trying to ruin the sanctuary city. Right. And so um, do we want to like, give away the, <laughs> the ending ending? Yeah, I think so. This other secret organization is basically breeding kaiju men as like an army. They're like the Catholics of the kaiju world. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that Catholic families have as much babies as possible to take over the world. To save, yes, to save the world. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this comic was in the letter to the editor, he wrote about how much he loves going into a comic book shop and seeing something new mm-hmm. and just picking it up and dipping in. And he wanted to contribute to that. And Kirkman actually wrote about this as well early on in, in COVID with a handful of his new books. Firepower. Firepower. And that's like exactly me. I love the experience of going to a comic book store on Wednesday, seeing something new, interesting that I've never seen before and giving it a shot. And this book, like, 100% fulfilled. It was insane how much, how interesting it was. Well, it's crazy. It was This book was completely accessible, somewhat familiar, but in every sense of the word, completely new. We've never seen this kind of story told, this kind of pacing, this kind of setup. Like, it, it knocked my socks off, to be completely honest. Like, it was, like, fucking good. So good. And it didn't do the thing where it's, like, I've been thinking about this for seven years and finally it came to light and you're going to see things like you've never seen. You're never going to know where the art goes in four comic books. Like, it's not pretentious at all. I was vacationing on the French Riviera and this dream came to me. (laughs) And as I thought about going to the island of Sicily, (laughs) I thought about my MFA degree. (laughs) Uh, But but Jason Howard has illustrated books that we've, I think, covered on this podcast and talked about you know, on the show and off the show, he did books with Warren Ellis, Trees and Cemetery Beach. Like, I loved that book. It had cover a lot of like homage covers to other image books. Mm-hmm. And I thought the story was really interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote Cemetery Beach too. He might not have, but tonally it kind of seems. Oh, you know what? I think him and Warren Ellis worked together on the story and he okay. illustrated it. He also worked with, um, Kirkman on Super Dinosaur. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. And The Astonishing Wolfman, which ties into Invincible. So, <laughs> never mind. Doesn't Carry on. <laughs> it does. The Astounding Wolfman. Uh, yeah. I mean, can't say enough good things about this book. Sometimes the conversation is just go read it. <laughs> yeah. It I was mean, good. It, we can't put into words how good it is. It's like, it's, a, it's an experience you have to just experience for yourself. Like, the art flows writing's awesome if you can still find it go get big girls you think it's a silly name you think it's gonna be a goofy premise you're wrong it's a perfect name (laughs) and a perfect premise it's a perfect name perfect premise 
conversation over about big girls, but is the conversation over about First Issue Club? For right now it is, and that may be sad, but don't worry. We'll be back next week where we talk about, you guessed it, First Issues. Until then, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, and remember to register to vote. Bye! This has been another episode of First Issue Club. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.